We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Irish fan 15, who do you guys expect to start at linebacker this year? I'm hoping that Nolan Ziegler pushes Maris for playing time and Sneed pushes Kaiser for time. Y'all keep trying to push Jack Kaiser out of the starting lineup, and it's not going to happen. Jack Kaiser's a good football player. I mean, it's not going to happen. Maris Lewifout, that one's fair, no doubt. If you want to see Jalen Sneed or Nolan Ziegler push him at will, I'm all for that, all for that, because – the whole thing about Jack Kaiser is you're taking an athletic kid off the field to put another athletic kid on the field. Maybe one's a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit faster. Maybe that's debatable. Maybe definitely longer. Like Jalen Steven is definitely longer than, than Jack Kaiser, like lengthwise, but you're going to lose, you're going to have a guy that's going to not be as assignment correct as often as Jack Kaiser is. That argument does not hold true at will with Marist. Yeah. So there's no excuse for him to play this year if he's playing the same way he did last year. So my hope would be that Ziegler and Jalen Seed will have a chance to kind of take reps away from him. But J.D. Bertrand is going to start at Mike, and when they have a rover on the field, the starter will be Jack Kaiser. That's just – that's going to happen, and I'm, I'm good with that. That's not me saying, oh, it's going to happen. They're just not going to be willing to play the young guys. I'm not saying that. They're good football players. Very under – I'll say it again, Ryan. The play of the linebackers last year, the issues had to do with coaching and had to do with – I think a lot of people project how bad Marist was onto JD and Jack. That's what I think has happened. And then there was coaching issues that, that I thought they had too much put on their plate, but neither Jack nor JD were as bad as a lot of fans seem to think that they were. I actually think they were good football players last year. They just, you know, it just is what it is. Marist was really bad. And I think that drags down the whole view of the linebacking court as a whole is how bad he was. And I think that was more my issue. So hopefully Nolan or Jalen is given the opportunity to beat him out this year. Or Maris steps up and plays like we all hoped he would play. I just didn't see it in the spring. Honestly, Ryan, yeah. I didn't I didn't see that guy in the spring. I don't know if that guy's there anymore. Linebacker is going to be a spot that I'll have my eyes peeled to most mm-hmm. probably in the beginning of the season because I just, just wasn't good enough in 2022. Like It just wasn't. So it needs to get better. And whoever the answer ends up being, 
Like if it's Maris Loy, oh, he takes a massive step forward. I'm good with that, right. man. If it's Nolan Ziegler, I'm good with that. I don't care. Just the point blank is that it was not good enough last season. It needs to be better. Wasn't in the biggest moments. It wasn't great. Well, there were times where it was decent as a group, but it just wasn't enough. So linebacker needs to be better. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Somebody um, somebody brought up a good comp for Zeke Carell that makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. uh, and that's Braxton Cave. That's a really good one, in my opinion. Now, Braxton was a little bit more of a weight room guy, but body type-wise, style of play, I think that's I was about to say, one. Braxton was like a stupid strong dude, yeah. right? Like he was, yeah. yeah. He didn't always play like his weight room strength, though. He was... He was a good he was a good player though, especially before them. He got that really bad leg injury in 2010, and he just wasn't as explosive as a player in 2011 and and um in 2012. No, wait a minute. The injury was in 20. He had an injury in either 10 or 11. I can't remember which year Braxton Cave had that injury, but when he came back, he wasn't quite as explosive as he was. Yeah. But he was a strong dude, man. Very strong dude. Yeah. All right. Um, Ryan, we had one down here. Uh, this is a good one. I, this is a fun one. I like this one. Call me Ty says, I want your guys' opinion. Which Notre Dame team had the most talent ros- talented roster over the last five years with this year's team included? That's five years. So if we're so that kind of changes things. So if we're gonna do five years before this year, it's 2018 to 2022, and that's an easy one. It's the 2018 team. If we're gonna talk about the 23 included, then you have to go from night. So it's 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23. I, 23 still, out of that. Span, it's either going to be 23 or 19. One of those two. And I'd probably go with 23 because 19 had a pretty talented team. You didn't always play to your ability, but you had, you know, you, you were thin at running back. That was an issue. Offensive yeah. line wise, you had, you know, you had Liam Eikenberg, Robert Hainsey, Aaron Banks, uh, I think it's Jarrett Patterson's first year as a starter, and the guard was Tommy Kermit. So you have five NFL players in your offensive line. You had Cole Komet at tight end. 
You had Chase Claypool at wide receiver. Uh, you had uh, your defensive ends. You had four NFL defensive ends on your line in your roster that year. You had you had um, you had uh, Khalid. You had Julian. You actually had five. You had Khalid, Julian, Adi, Dalen, and Jameer Jones on that team. Yeah. You know, uh, inside, you know, not quite as good. You know, Kurt Heinisch was was a good football player. Myron was solid football player. Adam Yola in depth. Linebacker wise, man, Jeremiah Usukoromoa was a stud. Osmar Bilal was athletic. Drew Pine, Drew White was a solid player. And that was Osmar's best year of his career by a mile. You had a pretty good corner in uh, in, in Troy Pride. You had the same safeties you had the year before, Jalen Elliott and and Ali Gilman. You had Kyle Hamilton was a freshman on the team. He was your nickel. Played a lot of nickel that year. Uh, that team was more talented than the twenty team, in my opinion. I just think athletically, the 20 team was a better team. Yeah. But the question was talented roster. The 19 roster was more talented than the 20 roster. The 20 team was just a better team, in my opinion. I, I think 2023 is a chance to be in this conversation, but obviously we need to see a little bit of on field right. from the talent perspective. But man, if we're just talking what we know of them athletically and as a talented team, I'd have to go with this one, right? So let's do it. Well, here's the best way to do it. Let's do it position by position and see who has advantages. So this will be 19 and this will be 23. So quarterback, in your opinion, not just the starter, but the depth in my 23. opinion. Yeah. Okay. So 23. All right. Running back. That's an easy one. 23. Because yes. <laughs> 19 was a mess at running back. Wide receiver. See, this is, this is an interesting one because – the best receiver of anyone we're going to talk about is Chase Claypool by yeah. a mile. But it was Chase Claypool, and you didn't really have anybody else that was like a, an impact guy. You had Ch- Chris Fink was part mm-hmm. of that that lineup. And then it was a bunch of young guys. You know, Kevin Austin uh, didn't play a whole lot that year. Braden Lindsey came on late. Javon McKinley was okay, you know. But after Fink, who had 41 catches, your next highest catches was like 11, 11, 13, 10. You had Lawrence Keys, Braden Lindsey, Javon McKinley. So top end talent, nineteen. Depth wise, yeah. though, I'm, I might st- I might still go nineteen. Yeah, so we'll go nineteen. So because yeah. I mean it's just pure talent. I mean you could you know Kevin Austin was yeah. stupid talented, and there was other couple of guys. Nineteen so, yeah. tight end also definitely. You I mean yes. Cole Komet, Brock Wright, yes. Tommy Tremble. I mean it's yes. that's a no brainer. Yes. Talent wise and what we know, especially with Eli Raridan. If Eli Raridan can get hurt last year, we may just on pure talent, maybe we'll have a conversation. But with him being questionable yeah. injury wise, I mean, it's you're nice talking about three, three starters in the NFL. <laughs> you're too deep that year, tight end. Because um, remember, Tommy Tremble or Cole Komet missed the opener against Louisville, and Tommy yeah. Tremble stepped in and played pretty good football. Uh, offensive line, I'm going 23, just talent. Yeah, I'm good with that. Defensive line, let's go 19. end and outside. Okay. Edge, 23, 19 yep. to me. 19 yep. definitely was. Interior's a little bit of an interesting one, Ryan, because you had Kurt Heinis, you had Myron Tungavaloa Mosa. After that, you had um, Jason Adamiola, Jacob Lacey as a true freshman, and then that was about it, really. I probably got I'm, 23 on the interior. Yeah. Just off the pure talent. Yeah. Linebacker, 23. I mean, 19, excuse me. 19. Yes. 19 definitely had the better strong lineup. I will say this, though. The depth, the young players in 23 is better, but they're mostly freshmen and sophomores. 
Right. But the start, the the different. The, I mean, Jeremiah Musu Cormo was significantly better than anybody currently, Notre Dame currently has. I'd say they're better at Mike now with JD Bertrand over Drew White, but Osmar Bilal is a better football player than Maris Lufau. This answer could change if one of those young guys beats him out and forces their way into the field. So we're four to four now. Cornerback, that's an easy one, Ryan. It's twenty twenty three. Yep. And then linebacker is, I mean, safety's nineteen. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton yeah. league, and so it's five to five. I mean, it's it's a tie, and I think so. It, it's going to come down to like to your points. Well, and some of those younger players, <laughs> yeah, right. That's I mean, it's some of those younger players stepping up, and will this twenty three team be more talented? It's going to be determined by, you know, we gave the edge to nineteen a receiver. If Tobias Merriweather is who we think he is, if Deion Colsey plays his ability, it's twenty three. Because yeah. we know what Jaden's going to be. Jaden's going to be better than what Chris Fink was, in my opinion. But the gap between what Chase Claypool was that year and whatever we we don't know what to expect from the outside guys, it's – I mean, how can I debate that? Javon McKinley had some – I mean, he's 11 catches for like 268 yards. Lawrence Key stepped up and had a huge play against Georgia. You remember that? Yep. When he had that one-on-one, he won on the outside. So, you know, that's where this conversation could change a little bit is positions like that. Linebacker could change. This year, defensive end could change this year because if you remember, nineteen they had talent, like Julian Aquar didn't play to his potential. Uh, Clid got a little banged up. Dalen got hurt. Remember that's Dalen got hurt in like the fourth game or something like third or fourth game, so he redshirted and that's why he came back in twenty twenty. Yeah. So we'll we'll see, we'll see, but it, it's it's close. It's very close. That nineteen team was so disappointing. That team should have been so much better than it was. Very yeah. disappointing season. It's coaching for you, man. Yep. 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 Next question from crying belly. How can Notre Dame stop the scrambling quarterback in, in on defense? The only good play I recall with a scrambling quarterback in 22 was the uh, Prince Kali against BYU, which was partly why I'm sad to see him go maddening too. Um, I guess the uh, question is, who are the – I mean, how do you stop a scrambling quarterback? I mean, one, you'd be assignment sound. Two, you have athletes on the second and third level. That's a big thing. And then three is that you maintain good pass rush lanes where you don't which allow – Which assi- to me things. is assignment sound. I mean, it's yeah. – it's, 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 the other thing too is they had a bad habit of overrunning the quarterback last year. And what that basically means is, especially for interior players, how many times did we see Jason Adamiola – or another defensive tackle, rush a gap, and Adam Miller was the main culprit, rush a gap and then just keep going. And the quarterback would just step right in front of him and take off. I mean, you let Jack Plummer do that twice in that game. Yes. Jack flipping Plummer. That's just a complete lack of discipline as a player. You know, like as a defensive tackle, you never overrun the quarterback. You just you just don't do that. And so I they the in the the, the ends would take like these really wide angles. And if the tackles met, met them, they wouldn't slam into them and drive them into the quarterback. They'd keep trying to go around them. And then the quarterbacks would just easily step in and step out. So yeah. uh, to, your, to your assignment correctness, gap assignment is important. Um, I thought that they had a – I'll somewhat disagree with you. Drake May had two good runs on the opening drive. He didn't do anything running the football after that. And a lot of it was, Ryan, because they were very gap conscious. They were going to say, hey, we're going to make him sit back and beat us from the pocket because we feel like we can make enough plays in that regard to do that. So it, I think those are the big keys. And then when you have a chance to, to wrap up, wrap up. Don't don't fall for pump fakes. If if the quarterback's going to go like this, let him throw it. You know, Put your hands up, but don't jump. 
you know, yeah, but let them throw it team. because then trust your teammates to do their job, you know? And um, I think that's going to be an interesting thing too, is how does the town at corner impact the front seven more this year than it did last year? It's like, Hey, yeah. my job's to tackle the quarterback. I got Benjamin and Cam to cover and Thomas Harper to cover. They're going to do their job. I got to get to the quarterback. But when you have guys that are kind of jumping up and trying to make a play, it's like, no, just tackle the guy. Don't worry about all that stuff. Don't let him pump fake you. If he's pumping, it should make him easier to tackle. You know what I mean? Like, you know, keep running through him. That's discipline. And that's the part you talked about, Ryan, is, is being assignment correct and being disciplined. Well, I also, I also think the uh, what you're seeing the push in recruiting is a big indicator of this as well, is that you want to get longer and more athletic on the second and third level as well, right? Like better athletes, more opportunities to have a little bit more bigger margin for error potentially. Yeah. Uh, here, here's a question um, from Bob Kosky, Ryan. Bob says, "I understand Notre Dame can't Notre Dame can't take everyone, but as someone mentioned, they always get to their numbers of 85. So why would Notre Dame take all three of Jack Larson, Jaden Riddell, and Carter Nelson? They would find room." I've said this before. There's a over high over emphasis of people on just the 85. And the 85 is not the only number to worry about. And I would argue it's not even really the primary one. It's the, the 85 is important from a standpoint of your, it's illegal to go beyond 85. Like you get, there's, there's penal, penal, you get penalized in certain guy. you know, I'm not even quite sure what the punishment is, but there's penalties to that. But you have to have a proper breakdown of your, I don't care if you have 90 guys on your roster, you still have to have a proper breakdown of your roster distribution. And if you were to sign those three tight ends, you'd come back into 2024 and you'd have Mitchell Evans, Holden Stace, Eli Raritan, Cooper Flanagan, and then the, the three, you'd have seven tight ends on your roster. That's too many. That's too many. And then now you got to make a decision. So who are you going to not bring in next year? Nate Roberts, James Flanagan, right? I mean, those guys, you have to have a proper roster distribution. Like, you don't want to have only seven receivers. You also don't want to have 14. Yeah. That's too many guys. You can't coach them all. You can't get them enough reps. Seven tight ends and is too much. It's too much, in my opinion. And then you get three guys in one class. Guess what? One of them is going to leave. So then you wasted all those reps on a kid that you know one of them is going to leave. It's not about finding room. You have to have proper roster management. And that means you don't have seven quarterbacks on your roster. You shouldn't have three. You want four. You can get away with five depending on the roster breakup. You can get away with three depending on your roster makeup. It's not ideal. You get to six or seven, that's too many. You can't get those kids all reps. Offensive line, you 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 don't want 10. You don't want 22 either. You have to find that nice balance because otherwise kids aren't getting developed, kids aren't getting coached, and kids then kids leave. end up leaving. Yeah, kids that you don't necessarily want to leave end up leaving, and that's not really where you want to be. So, no, you can't just – Bring them all in and figure it out. That's just not that's just not smart unless, roster management. Unless one of those kids can play a different position, so then maybe you could figure it out. And but, and I yeah. don't think any of them can. To your point, Ryan, would I bring in a fourth linebacker if that guy if one of those guys had Viper potential? Sure. Yeah. Would I bring in a fourth safety if one of those guys maybe had rover or corner potential? Absolutely. Would I bring in a third uh, fourth corner if one of those guys might be a guy that I project to be a safety? Sure. I mean, those are all things you look at, but that's not true of these tight ends, in my opinion. Although you have said you think that Carter Nelson could be a pretty good defense player. Isn't that who you said 
Did yep. you say that? Do you yep. think he could? I think he could, yeah. But not the way that you're recruiting that position at the present moment if they get who yep. we think they're going to get. So we'll we'll see. Uh, Irish for Life brought up a question about World, World War II. I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about the subject you brought up, buddy, to discuss it. That's why I didn't bring the question up because I, I just don't know enough to discuss it. It seemed interesting. I will jot it down and kind of look it up, but I just don't know about um, – I don't know enough about it to bring it up. So that's why we pass it. Sorry about that. Here's an interesting, interesting one, Ryan. Uh, I'll read this one from Jared Rhodes because I'm getting – I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, Brian and Ryan, where is a stadium you'd want to see a game that you've not been able to yet? Yeah, uh, sure. We've been asked something similar to this before. Um, I've always wanted to check out the University of Texas for some reason. That's one big one for me. Yep. I've always wanted to go to Clemson. I think that that would be a really fun one, especially seeing kind of the pregame stuff running down the hill and all that great, you know, conversation that those are two big ones for me. I, I, nah, Gainesville seemed kind of interesting to me at one point. Swamp's a pretty cool stadium. Yeah, Swamp Swamp is the, the spot team may Gainesville. stink, but the but the the stadium's pretty cool looking. Yeah, I, I would like to see Texas A and M just for like the atmosphere because I heard it's pretty crazy with the twelfth man. I would only want to go to Penn State if it was for a whiteout game. That would be cool. A whiteout game would be pretty cool. I think um, t- t- Texas A and M's one that's on my list. I, I think, and and here's one that's not necessarily a. a, a normal team i mean I think ucla plays there, but i'd like i'd love to see a game in the rose bowl in pasadena i think that'd be pretty cool yeah but that's not not history. so much the stadium that's more of just the history yeah you know like going to the coliseum for the first time was really cool it's a dump of a stadium but it just it was cool to I mean, you think about it, they had an olympics here the first super bowl was here like thinking some of the notre dame usc games that's pretty cool but um georgia's got an awesome field they got an awesome stadium and I, i've always wanted to watch a game in alabama I'm not going to lie to you hmm. just because it's like, it's Alabama. You, you, again, it's about the history tradition. I've been to Ohio state. I've been to Michigan. Uh, I've been to Te- Clemson. I've been to Georgia. I've been to Texas. Um, Wake Forest has actually got one of my favorite stadiums. Actually. It's really small. It's, it's almost like a FCS stadium, but it's really nice. It's very nice. Tennessee's one, Ryan, probably that I would want to see. And I'll say that somebody just said Virginia Tech for Enter the Sandman. That is one of the most overrated things. I was so disappointed the first time I saw that. I still want to see it. Because it's so long and boring. It's like, okay, guys, we get it. You know, let let it play out. Uh, Katie Kiever said LSU and Death Valley. I have heard that that's not a place you want to be if you're a, an opposing fan. And just, <laughs> yeah, that's that. not not really one that I would want to want to be at um like mississippi state is at the very bottom of my list because that the cowbells would annoy the crap out of me for the entire game like that would be annoying there's not a whole lot of others oh you know here's one right i've always wanted to go to a game at nor in norman uh, like i think that that'd be Oklahoma. cool yeah, yeah that'd, be, that'd cool. be cool um i don't really care about going to see oregon play i don't really care about washington none of those i really care a whole lot about but the swamp would be really cool and Something I think cool. we're going to get a chance to see that maybe someday if, if things don't contracts don't get voided because Notre Dame has a home and home here in the next <laughs> decade against the Gators. So that'll be, that'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. All right, let's get, let's get some more here, Ryan. Um, here, here we go. This is, this is a good one. Irish fan 15 said, be Ryan. If you had to rank the 10 most impactful players in Notre Dame roster this year, if they win a title, who would they be? That's a fantastic question. Yeah, I mean, you've Sam Hartman, right? Yeah. Audric Estime, 
Tobias Mary, if they would have tied Tobias Merriweather, Benjamin Morrison. Uh, I'm off. Uh, I'm going starting like one side of the ball, making my head, head easier. Blake Fisher, um, Riley Mills, Jordan Patel, Jordan Patel, nope, Jordan Patelho, um, Xavier Watts, Cam Hart. I'm not saying Benjamin Morrison or Joe Alt, and I'll explain in a second. Um, I'd have to pick a second receiver or a tight end. Either Mitchell Evans or Deion Colsey would be that. And Or if Jaden Thomas is even better than we think he's going to be. And then my 10 is Xavier Watts. And here's why I didn't go Benjamin Morrison and Joe Walt. Those are your dudes. You already know they're your dudes. But you went 9-4 and with them as your dudes last year. To me, Ryan, it's like the supporting cast around them. Can they elevate? and play to that level. You know what I mean? So it's like, we already, like Joe Walt last year played like a guy that could be part of a national championship team. Benjamin Morrison, second half of the year to me was that way, right? The guys that I, the 10 that I mentioned are, uh, those guys are already stars. Can these guys also be that way? Can, can, can the receiver step up and elevate? Can Sam Hartman be what we, you know, at Notre Dame, kind of a, even a better version of what he was at, at, at Wake Forest? Can Blake Fisher be the complementary piece to the star at left tackle, right? And then now you've got the great tackle tandem, right? Now, if you're just going to talk about raw impact of the ability, then obviously Joe Walton, Benjamin Morrison are top of the list. I just took a different angle on it. That's where that's yeah. why I left them off off of the list. I guess I guess 2022 is just hurting me a little bit because like I I I remember like talking about like you know as long as Isaiah Foskey's just the same player was last year it was yeah. like he regressed though yeah. <laughs> he didn't he right. wasn't the same player as he was last year you know what I mean so mm-hmm. that's all but yeah I mean it's re- I, I understand where you're where you're going with from there I I would still probably include those guys because I just think that they are still so important sure. than oh, being as, at least as good as what they absolutely. were last year absolutely. Yeah. I would simply say this. If the 10 guys that I mentioned all play great and Benjamin Morrison just takes a slight step back and Joe Alt takes a slight step back, they're still going to be pretty good. Sure. If those guys play like stars and the 10 guys I mentioned don't. So it, it all depends on which angle you want to go with it. And I think that's kind of part of the fun of the of the answer, Ryan, is you, you, can, you can go with it different directions. You could even not even mention Sam Hartman and be like, well, I mean, we already know who he is, but, but you know, what the, my next impactful one of my 10 is is the backup quarterback because that I just feel that guy's gonna have to come off. You can have a lot of fun with this answer. Uh, I left the two stars off of it for that reason, but it's a it, if you're just going to talk about who are the 10 most impactful players and what they do and produce, then those guys are on your list, no doubt about it. Those are your two best players, in my opinion, coming back. Yeah, I mean, do, do you think there's anybody else nope. right now? I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah. Here's an interesting question here from uh, Crying Belly. Do you think a more RPO-focused offense will lead to less early season offensive blunders and let the Notre Dame talent take over against lesser talents? To a degree. I mean, it's, for me, it's it's hard to explain. So, so for an RPO-heavy team, you are – the reason that you're running RPO is that you're trying to find space to get players an opportunity to make plays after the catch and to have open space. Like that's basically, you're trying to manufacture space. And in that situation, I think, especially when you're playing against the navies and Tennessee States of all time, like, I just want to see 
Tobias Merriweather with the ball against the corner that he's going against in space a little bit, right? Like I want to see some of these wide receivers just get an opportunity to have one-on-one opportunities to work in space, create some big plays. So I think just manufacturing touches and getting ball out quick and easy can be very beneficial early on in the season for this team. Because one, I think that you're going to allow Sam Hartman to not think quite as much, just get the ball out, get him comfortable. And you're going to allow your talent to outplay inferior talent on the other side of you. And that's what you have in the first couple of games of the season. If you were starting against Ohio state, it would be a little bit of a different conversation because they can match your athletes with your athletes. But in this situation, when you're playing against Navy, the Tennessee States of the world, the central Michigans after NC States of the world, you have such a talent advantage. I think just being able to get the ball in space and letting them work, I think would be beneficial early on this season. In theory, Yes. In practicality with a six-year senior quarterback that's been running RPOs for five years, I don't see that being a problem. Uh, I don't, especially when you consider he's had he's going to have nine months to prepare for it. So I, in theory, with everything Ryan said, I don't disagree with any of that. I just don't see it being a problem for this particular team for Notre Dame uh, because of that experience. But if you were talking about with a first-year starter quarterback – guy that hasn't played a whole lot, I'd be a lot more concerned about it. But I also don't think that Notre Dame is going to run RPO a lot more, Ryan, but I don't think they're going to be like every single run play has an RPO attached to it. And they're running like air raid RPO concepts where they're like running double posts off RPO action. You remember when Jared Goff was a cow and he'd be throwing like post routes and like downfield vertical concepts off RPO. He's going to like drilled as he's throwing the football and you're just like, okay, yeah. yeah, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Like that's a little bit of a different animal for me. Um, that would be, um, that would be kind of my answer to that, but that's a good question. It's a good question. Next question for we are not Marshall in your eyes. What would an improvement look like from Maris Loifal this season? Be consistent. I mean, literally just be where you're supposed to be and make the plays that are in front of you. I don't even need you to be a star. I don't need you to have 12 tackles for loss. I don't need you to have five. I don't need you to have four interceptions. Just literally do your job. I mean, if he just does his job, Ryan, last year, they don't lose to Marshall. I mean, I hate to put that on one guy. And, and obviously plenty of guys made mistakes that cost you that game. But even with the pick six and the missed on the post and all these other things, if Maris just covers the flip and under route on third nine, that's ball game, basically. You know, and and it's simply about do your job. Do your job. And if Maris does his job, to me, Ryan, though the the playmaking will come because of his athleticism, because he is a good athlete. If he's just where he's supposed to be and executes the assignment tasked with him and has gap discipline and fit discipline and all that kind of stuff, the production will be there. So that's what improvement looks like for me is just consistently do what you're asked to do and you'll be fine. That's what it's I not need, hard. Simon sounds, Simon sounds agree. Yeah. There's just too yeah. many, there's just too many plays where Maris just wasn't near where he needed to be on the field. I mean, Ryan, not about. even close. Yeah. Not yeah. even close. Dropping into coverage on a run play and stuff. And yeah. just halfway in the end zone on a third and two at the 10. Like, you yeah. know, just didn't make any sense. Here, here oh, let's go to, let's go here from Ian Johnson. I like this one. Is Jim Harbaugh just a younger and more, and more odd Brian Kelly? It seems they have similar ceilings coach wise and won't really break through to the next level. 
I don't I don't necessarily agree with that per se. Yeah. I I think that you could make the case that that Jim Harbaugh has certain flaws that could keep him from winning a title, perhaps. But the biggest difference for me is Jim Harbaugh's already proven he can beat elite teams. He's yeah. literally beaten Ohio State twice. Brian Kelly has zero, like no wins over that kind of team. Like if he had beat Ohio State without CJ Stroud, I'd say, well, that's a lot like that Clemson win in 2020. Sure. And here's the other thing. Jim Harbaugh's second playoff appearance was competitive. You know, they were in that game. Yeah. Uh, actually, somebody just now just now said it in the chat right now. But that's the thing, Ryan, is is he's already done things that Brian Kelly never did at Notre Dame. Yeah. So, you know, but if you were to say, are their ceilings the same? That's something I think I could agree with you on. I just don't know that Jim Harbaugh is a guy that's going to go to the playoff and win two games. I just... I just don't. I just don't I think, think he has enough dynamic playmakers in the perimeter offensively to do that. And that's yeah. really what it comes down to for me. It's not about him per se, Ryan. It's about his team. I don't think there's anything keeping Jim Harbaugh back as a game day coach that will keep him from winning. It's more about just I don't see the roster right now having the kind of playmakers they need to go win two games in the postseason, if that makes sense. Sure, and that's the difference. Where Brian Kelly had limitations as a coach, that it didn't matter what his team was, he was going to hold the team back. In my opinion, yeah, that's yeah. where I think they're different. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's more of a roster construction versus actual right. coaching like right. deficiency. I guess. I mean, for me, I, I I would be much more, I would be much more optimistic that Jim Harbaugh would figure it out than Brian Kelly because yeah. I. I I also think that Jim Harbaugh is a more thoughtful person than what Brian Kelly is. And that's just my opinion. Yeah, I know as a coach. Gonna come, yeah, as a coach. It's just, yeah. I mean, guy eats his boogers, but he's, you know, still a good football coach, man. Still a okay. good football coach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did it on national television. I didn't tell him to do it. Patrick Quinlan says, how much do you think Logan Diggs' departure will change the workload of Audrey Gestime? Is the carry split more of a Parker decision or McCullough. We know Reese liked Diggs a lot, maybe more than Dylan did. No, I think coach, I think coach McCullough liked him a lot as well. I mean, yes, yeah. Tommy liked him a ton, but, uh, but to your point, however, I mean, it's always a, a coordinator thing, Ryan, here's the deal. If, if you're a coordinator and you let your position coach determine your rotation, which a lot do, and there's a running back in there that you don't necessarily love, guess what you're going to be doing a lot of when he's in the game. Own the football, yeah. Yeah. quarterback call runs, things like that. So uh, you may tag a few more RPOs in the, in that series. So how will it how will it work? So there's really when you talk about the carry distribution compared to last year, Ryan, you really got to include two players because you got to not only include Logan Diggs, but you also got to include Chris Tyree. Yep, and the carries that he got last season. So I, I think when you look at it, yeah, Logan Diggs averaged three point eight carries per game. Chris Tyree was seven point seven. So you're talking about basically 21 to 22 carries a game of, of carries. Now, touches, I think, is is going to be impacted more by the receivers. I think some of the pass game stuff that maybe we saw from Tyree and Diggs last year, we might see more of BRPO-based instead of some of the things that they did. But you know, but even then, I think some of those touches will go to Jabron Payne and Jadarian Price. But so of those 22 carries, you know, I see uh, Audric Estime last year, Ryan, was about 12. I think on average, he's probably more 16 to 17. I think that so, so, you know, that's five, that's four to five additional carries for him. 
you so now you've got 15 to 16 carries of remaining i think 90 percent of those go to your your next three backs jabron Payne. Yep. so i think you'll see a little bit of a split there between one and two and the other thing too that i think people have to understand is some of those carries are going to turn into rpo pull and throws that's the other part of it too and is in and and you brought this up earlier ryan when we talked about efficiency the more yards per carry they have, the fewer carries they're going to be. So I don't see them even needing the touches. Plus, again, this goes back to what we said earlier. There's going to be less carries to have on top of they're going to throw the ball more on pass plays. They're going to throw more RPOs. There's also probably going to be fewer plays for Notre Dame to have if they played a similar style of play. If they are a grinded-out running team this year like they were last year, there's fewer possessions because the clock's going to keep on running when they go on, when they get first downs. And so like, what was the one drive? Was it against Clemson? What was the game last year, Ryan, where Notre Dame went on like an 11 was it was Clemson, wasn't it? Where they went on like an 11 or 12 play drive and they didn't throw the ball, but like maybe once. Yeah. Like that could literally take an almost entire quarter this year with the clock not stopping on first downs. I, I bet it was Clemson or Syracuse, one of those two. I'm going to look this up because Syracuse. Now that you say it, Syracuse might have been one, might have been one too. They came, they came out just running the ball. Yeah, on their on, on their first drive against Clemson, run, 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 run. Eleven yard pass to Michael Mayer, run, touchdown. So it was, it was Clemson. That drive took. Five minutes and 47 seconds. They had one, two, three, four, five, six plays that went for first downs on that. Clock just keep you. So you probably had what another two minutes onto that drive, two to three minutes yeah. onto that drive with a running clock, Ryan, would you say? Something like that. With yeah. that many first downs. Yeah. Um, so now all of a sudden that drive, instead of it taking five minutes and 47 seconds takes at least eight and a half minutes that same drive do that twice and that's half a quarter that you just that you just took up with two drives you know what i mean so yeah that's the thing is so that's five to six fewer touches maybe at the end of the game right so those are those are that's going to factor into as well so the carry distribution is not going to be a problem and it doesn't have to mean 10 more to audrick because i don't want him averaging 22 carries a game I think it's more a percentage of carries, yeah. like of total carries type of thing. Like, you know, that'll what, go. What, what, and then the disparity between one and two also. Right. right. Like is is Audra getting 70% of the carries and you have to right. distribute 30% after that? Like I, I really do think with the running clock and just kind of plays being altered a little bit, at least the numbers, I think it's really going to come down to like what the percentage of the workload is when you're talking about trying to save a guy's legs, trying to preserve his body, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. All right. It's a good answer. Good question, too, by the way. From Bobby L. who said, heard y'all discuss 2015 Clemson and one play difference on Wednesday. Think play that is missed is Corey Robinson's drop uh, previous two-point try. Make that catch, and Notre Dame is kicking a point after, and they win 25-24. to 24. Thoughts? Possibly. Uh, they could also maybe, if, if they had to kick the extra point there, so I'm trying to think of this one. If they had to kick the extra point, let me just pull up the the game here real quick. Because I there was there was another play on there too, Ryan. That that as I was thinking about um, thinking about that game, there was a play where he threw in it uh, where 
Deshaun Kaiser threw an incomplete pass to Alizé Mack in the end zone. Or maybe it was Corey Robinson. It's Corey Robinson. He had Alizé Mack running up the seam wide open. This was in the first half. And that would have changed the game quite a bit. So it was it was 21 to 3. And then Notre Dame scores a touchdown and they go for two and it fails. Yeah. And so then the next time they score a touchdown, they kick it. And then the next time they go, score a touchdown, they have to go for two again. So if they would have just kicked the extra point, if they would have, if they would have gone for just kick the extra point the first time, then they're probably lining up to kick to 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 tie the game up at the end, correct? Because so, they yeah. lost 24 to 22. Um, but he did then he said though, if you make the catch there, now all of a sudden it's 21 to 20, 21 to 11. Your next touchdown gets you to 24 to 18. Yeah. Then your next touchdown is getting you to 25. But but here's the thing. I mean, we don't know how that would have impacted decisions that Clemson made. I mean, so like perhaps Clemson makes different decisions if it's a six-point game, a seven, eight-point game with their possessions, with how the calls right. that they make. I mean, so there there's all types of things like that that could that could happen because that was early enough in the in the second half to where there was still a lot of lot of ball game left, which was part of my issue with going for it. It was like what early it was like first drive of the second, like early in the fourth quarter. You you were still We'll see, that would have made it 21 to 10. You're still two scores away. Yep. I, just to me, it's just a little, it's just a little bit too soon for me. I can't. Wow. Even uh, Mike Bond, the USC athletic director, resigned. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Just saw it. Pete Thamel reported it. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting day. Uh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, yeah. Let's ask this one, Ryan, because this, this is an interesting one. Andre Tonsil said, is there such a thing as a good loss in football? No, Absolutely. Not for me. Not for Absolutely me. there is. If you are a team, and here's where I come from on that. For Notre Dame, not really. But you can't tell me that Clemson's program did not benefit from having a competitive championship game loss to Alabama. Now, would they have benefited more from a win? Of course, you always benefit more from a win. If a team that's no good goes on the road or a team that's under, you know, Vanderbilt goes on the road and plays Bama to a you know to Bama wins on a field goal at the end of the game. That Alabama, they're they're going to feel a whole lot better about that loss than Bama's going to feel about to win. So yeah, there's there is such thing as a good loss in football from a perception standpoint, from a team building standpoint, all those type of things. For some programs, there is no such thing as a good like there's no such thing as a good loss for Bama, for Ohio State, for Georgia. Uh, Georgia almost Ohio State almost beating Georgia in the playoff last year meant a lot less than had it been that's how TCU lost to Georgia in the championship game. Where Ohio State's like missed opportunity for TCU, it's like wow, what a dream season. They went down to the wire and played Georgia out of the wire. What a what a great game. They're gonna build on that momentum. Where Ohio State fans are talking about firing their coach if they lose to Michigan again. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like so it's part of who you are as a program. But, yes, I believe that there is such thing as a good loss in football. For Notre Dame, I would say not really. You'd have to give me a specific example, but I would say not really. But for some teams, absolutely. If Central Michigan comes into Notre Dame Stadium next year and plays Notre Dame down to the wire, Notre Dame has to score at the very end of the game, you're telling me that's not a great loss for Central Michigan? Of course it is. 
they're going to benefit from that and how they're building their team and from a recruiting standpoint. If Notre Dame has a similar loss to Alabama, it's like, dude, you're Notre Dame. You got to win those games. So it just depends on who the team is. But yes, I believe that there, I believe that there is a good loss. Do you want to rebut that, Ryan, or is it just a difference no. of a, how you view it? Just a difference of opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally fine. Yep. All right. Here's another good one. We are happily Notre Dame pendant. Can you talk about tight end Jaden Riddell? What you guys think? He's a very talented player. Um, He's six foot three and a half, six yeah. four, two hundred thirty four pounds. He plays mostly outside receiver. I think he's got really nice explosiveness. I think he can win down the football field. I think there's some nuance to him. I don't think he's a traditional inline tight end. I think right. that he is a guy that's definitely going to have to be a flex option, can play into the boundary a little bit at times. I think he's a really talented tight end. And that's a bit of my issue if you were to get him, is him and Jack Larson are kind of the same dude. Jack Larson can play a little bit more inline than Jaden Riddell can, but they're very similar how you're going to use them. Carter Nelson's a little bit of a different player. But yeah. he look, he's a top hundred guy on my board. I I don't have him quite as like somebody has him like in the top thirty. I don't have him that high. But and and you had mentioned to me yesterday, you Ryan, you and I were talking. He's closer to his max level than Carter Nelson is, for example. There's a lot yeah, more room for Carter Nelson to physically get better. But he's a good football. But look, guys, there's a reason that Notre Dame, Alabama, and Georgia are all recruiting the kid. He's really good <laughs> football Tennessee, Tennessee's in his yeah, he's a good well, football so. player. Yeah. I don't think Notre Dame has uh, much of a shot to get him right now. Um, really, the the main reason why I mean he's going to visit Notre Dame is mainly because of just CJ Carr and the relationship they have. Is that going to be enough to get him to sign on the dotted line and turn down NIL? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. But he's taking a second visit to campus, and that's not something to sniff at. Yeah, right. It matters. So it, what it comes down to, Ryan, is is what do they want to take? Do they want to take a second tight end? or a fourth receiver, or, I mean, th- that's the decision they're going to come down to. I think there's been some back and forth on this a little bit. I think at the end of the day, this is an e- evidence to me that what they've decided to do is focus more on a second tight end than a fourth receiver in this particular class. It's probably I what I would have done at. as well, to be honest. Yeah. As much and as I also, me. yeah, I also think, I know, I feel you. I yeah. also think there's some roster realizations at uh, some other spots that have changed since we had this conversation a month ago, because we had said they they're not taking a second tight end. That's what we'd been told that they, they were considering it. I said I know I wouldn't necessarily take a second tight end in this class. I haven't changed my mind on that. But you also get into the point of are, can you turn down a guy like Carter Nelson or Jaden Riddell? That's a very fair question. Very fair. So uh, if you're gonna take a if you're not gonna take a fourth receiver, and you think you can make the numbers work, I think a second tight end can work on your roster. You can't go beyond that to the question earlier, but I'm not going to be upset if they get Jaden Riddell or Cardinal Nelson. Those are good football players. Those are really good football players. Very talented, no doubt. From Florida Irishman, who said, who is more likely to commit, Justin Scott or Caleb Beasley? Oh, man, don't ask me that question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of in the same place on both of them. I just think yeah. I'd probably lean more towards Caleb Beasley right now. Yes. Just because of what I've already said in multiple shows and don't really want to keep repeating. And, you know, I just, by the time, if Justin Scott doesn't visit this summer, then by the next time he could potentially visit, it will have been a calendar year and he will have been on campus once. And he lives an hour and a half away. I mean, and and say, well, he just loves Notre Dame so much. Well, then why is he, why is he not committed? 
Actions, not words, man. Right. Actions, not words. We also we also heard um, he told one platform, I forget who it was, that he's a Mamba's boy. He's not going to go far away from home. And it's just like, but why? So why is he taking official visits to Miami then? And right, Georgia still. Well, that, and, which I'm uh, I'm okay with that. It's enjoy life, yeah. man. Have fun. But like, but you're going to. But if he was going to do that, then his five officials should be to Georgia, Miami, USC, Oregon, not Michigan yeah. and Ohio State. Right, right. You know, but not Notre Dame. Because right. you know where what else is very close to him if he's a mama's boy who doesn't go Michigan, Ann Arbor. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's it's concerning. And I don't know how anyone in good faith can say it's not concerning. That doesn't mean they're not gonna get him. Some of these people are like they got no shot of getting Justice Scott. That's also inaccurate. That's not what like, I'm saying. Yeah. That's also taking it too far in the other direction. But it is concerning. It is concerning. From Florida Irish Moon also says better offense this year, Notre Dame, Alabama, or LSU. That's gonna be, I'm gonna tell you this right now. This is gonna you're gonna laugh at this. I think the debate is gonna come down to Notre Dame or LSU. It's not Alabama. The reason I say that is I don't love Alabama's receiving core. I think their offensive line is gonna be pretty good. They've got some pretty good players in it. It's not gonna be like like a couple years ago, good. Their running back room is very young, but also very talented. And you know my stance on youth at running back. Don't care as much about it as I do other positions. Their tight end room's okay. But I... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I just don't love the makeup of that depth chart right now, especially with the quarterback question marks. You know, I just, I, I wouldn't, I know I'm in the minority here, but I would not trade Notre Dame's receiving core for Alabama's. Uh, and I know that Alabama has a little bit more proven production, but I just, I don't love that room. So I'm not, and I, and I, I want to know who's their guards are going to be. I didn't love their center last year. I think they're replacing both of their guards. Correct. I know Eki is definitely gone. Yeah. And Cohen transferred them. Miami. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then they also lost their left tackle, Steen. So they've got three new stars. Now, I, I, I believe Latham moved to left during the spring. Yeah, Am I correct left. on that? During he's the spring, he moved tackle. to left. Yep. So they need a new right tackle and two new guards. And I didn't think their center was all that great last year. Now they have talent there, and I like their O-line coach. So I think their offensive line is going to be good. I just don't think it's going to be elite. So I'm, I think LSU has a chance to have a really dynamic offense this year. If, they, if their offensive line can be a little bit more consistent. they got a very mobile quarterback. Uh, he, I think he's going to be improved as a passer this year. Now that he's in the system for a second year, uh, he's got really good weapons. I think Keyshawn Boutte is addition by subtraction from in, in so many different ways. And 
replacing last year's version of Keyshawn Boutte with Shelton Sampson is not a loss for me with everything Keyshawn Boutte was last year, correct? Because he was not the guy from two years ago and three right. years ago. It just wasn't. And, um, you know, and and uh, who's the other kid? I'm drawing a blank on the receiver who neighbors. I really liked. Neighbors, neighbors was really solid last year. You know, not explosive, dynamic, just a really good football player. And here's the other thing is, even if if Daniels goes down, they're not going to miss a beat That's with fine. their backup quarterback, you know? And so I think Logan getting Logan Diggs helps solidify there's a lot more certainty at running back now. There's a lot of questions. There's some talent at running back for them. Between Ad and Logan Diggs, and they got a freshman whose name escapes me right now, a big, thick kid that they got last year, a real physical runner, not not a not like Audric Estimate big, but they got a good running back last year from from down in that region as well, who I like. So I think they've been able to upgrade their running back room as well, which I did not love last year. So I think LSU has a shot to have a pretty good offense as long as Brian Kelly lets Mike Denbrock run it the way that Mike Denbrock wants to run it. That's always the caveat when it comes to Brian Kelly. Uh, Caleb Jackson is the kid that I'm thinking of, Brian, from Baton Rouge. Really like that kid as a, as a runner. He's like 5'11", 200, 205, real physical runner, real good player. It's just will Brian Kelly let him run that offense or not? You know, that's the question. question mark. But I think LSU has a chance to, to have a pretty good offense this year. What What are your thoughts on the LSU? I mean, their own line is the only question mark for me. They got to get their own line figured out. But I mean, they have a lot of guys coming back, though, yeah. which is a good thing. I mean, yeah. the Emory Jones kid, they had the other tackle's name escapes me, and then Charles Turner's a returning center mm-hmm. for them. So they have offensive line coming back. They also have Mason Taylor, who's Jason Taylor's son at tight end, who made some strides down the stretch. So, yeah, I mean, I think as, as long as they stay healthy – I think LSU has a very good chance to be a very good yeah. offense. You know, finding a second receiver to go with neighbors, I think is important. Could be mm-hmm. Shelton Sampson, but you know, we'll see obviously yeah. who steps into that role. But they I mean they have a lot of lot of speed on that offense yeah. for sure. There's no doubt. And I don't expect Shelton to be the number two. I just expect him to play. And that's my yeah. big thing. Uh Mason Taylor's back, right? You said that you talked yes. about him, right? Yep. Um, they've got some other good complimentary pieces at, at wide receiver, you know, but their freshman class from last year should be better. I believe Chris Hilton is still there. Correct. Not sure about that. He was a kid that I liked as well. I, I think he was hurt last year. I'm not hundred percent sure on And they also got Jalen Brown too, as a, as a He's freshman very receiver. Yes. Yeah. Very dynamic player. So I, I like that group. Their receiving core isn't what it was a few years ago or anywhere close to it, but it's going to be good enough with the tight end. The, and Logan Diggs can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think they're going to run the ball better this year with an improved backfield. So I think they got a shot to have a pretty good offense. Now, are they going to be dynamic 40-plus points a game? I'm not saying that. Right. I just I think Alabama is going to – I think this Alabama team, Ryan, is going to look a little bit more like some of the – some of like the 14-15 teams – which were good offense. I mean, those are good enough to win a championship. I'm just saying sure. like they weren't winning because of the offense. Right. And cause I think Alabama is going to be very good this year. I'm not one of those people that's like ready to, you know, put the, you know, put the uh, final nail in Alabama's coffin. I, I think Alabama this year is if, if Kevin Steele is, if I'm wrong on Kevin Steele, I think Alabama wins the West or wins the, uh, wins the, the, uh, the SEC. If I'm wrong on Kevin Steele. Yeah. If I'm right on Kevin Steele, they're going to lose two games again, in my opinion, because they won't take advantage because their offense is a question mark. They are loaded on defense, Ryan, loaded on defense. Maybe the best secondary in college football, 
right? I mean, would you say that they're in that conversation at least? They Certainly best cornerback tandem. They lost sure. all their safeties, though. Like yeah. every single one of their they safeties. Got so many <laughs> guys there. They got Caleb Downs. I mean, they're, you know, he's going to step in and be a dude. Yeah. Um, they're 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 just they're linebackers. They lost some guys. But they have so much so much talent coming back. Their D line is going to be very good again. They're just going to throw waves at you on defense. And I think their freshman class is going to be very impactful for them this year. Yeah. So I just think if, 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 but, but I just don't have a lot of faith in Kevin Steele. I just, and why should I, what's he ever done to, to, to have for me to have confidence, but Nick Saban, who knows a whole lot, heck of a more, more about defensive football than I do thought he was the guy to run his defense. So maybe this means Nick Saban's going to be more involved in the day to day of the defense, Ryan. Who knows? I don't know. But um, Nick Saban. Yeah. But, um, I think their offense is going to be good. I think it's going to be more like 2015, 2014 good. I think they're going to run the ball more this year, which is going to be smart. And I just, I'm just, I'm not in love with their receiving core. I'm really not. I just, I don't, I don't see what some other people see. And I, and I think, I think the losses of Gibbs and Latou are are going to be more impactful to their pass game than than maybe some people think. Well, actually, I actually opinion. think their tight ends can be better this year. Really? Okay. Yeah, they got CJ Dipri transferred okay. from Maryland. So I think he's going to be really good for okay. them. Yeah. Talk to me about him. I mean, he's 6'5", 260 I'm not arguing, pounds. Ryan. I didn't see the kid play. Yeah. So this is me just genuinely asking a question. No, he's like, he's like 6'5", 260, 265. He was one of the big portal kids this year. But the first game I watched him in Maryland last year, I forget who he was playing, but – at 260 pounds, he completely hurdled a second-level defender, and he had pretty good production last year playing with Talia Tango-Vailoa, which I think says a little bit about him potentially, but I just think that he is going to be a little bit of an upgrade over Latou. I, yeah. I don't think Latou took a step forward last year. He was a good no, player still. No, he, he didn't take a step forward. Ryan, you are absolutely right on that, but he was still a very yeah. important part of their offense. You know, 30 catches yeah. for 377 yards. Plus, you had 444 from Jameer Gibbs. That's over 800 yes. yards and seven touchdowns and 74 catches from those players. And that's going to be my thing. Now, to your point about, about that kid. Now, again, this is me sent not, as someone who does not know him. He had 30 catches, yeah. 314 yards last year, three touchdowns. Somewhat similar to what Latou had, but not as reliable of a quarterback as yes. what Latou had last year. The one thing we'll say is we know that Tom and Reese likes to throw to the tight end. So the opportunities will be there. Yep. I'm just not uh, – I got I got to see that kid play. But um, I'm just not in love with that offense for being an elite offense. I think Notre Dame and LSU could be very good on offense this year. Very good. But if I had to pick between the two, and I'm projecting, because all this is projection, I'm projecting, I think by the end of the year, I think Notre Dame's offense is going to be better than LSU's. Will they be better in September? That's a different question. We'll see. I got to see it first. Yep. But I do have confidence that – I here's the deal, Ryan. I have confidence the offense is going to get going and be really good at some point in time. I just know if it's going to be week one, three, five, or seven. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I don't know. Like, do they lose to NC State and Ohio State, but then they catch fire and then whoop USC and Clemson? I, I don't know. That's the only question is when does it happen? Yeah. It's a good yeah. question. All right. Let's, uh, here, here's one. Rob Tidoff says, Brian and Ryan, my biggest want ask for the new apparel deal is for the safety of the players, more or less good shoes. However, I would like the next sponsor to have a retro apparel line. Thoughts? I, uh, uh, I'm not a retro apparel deal guy. Um, I think the first part of what he said is is huge. I've I've 
I've never seen the studies. So I'm just telling you what I've been told by other people that have looked at the studies. But there are people that tell me that Under Armour, the, the number of foot injuries of per player with Under Armour shoes is much higher than others. I don't I don't know if that's true or not. That's what I've been told by some people. But that's the kind of thing that you should always be studying, Ryan, and paying attention to. And, you know, because we've seen a kill, we've seen Notre Dame with multiple Achilles and ACL tight and foot list, Frank and stuff, other things the last few years since Under Armour came on. That's concerning. Yeah, that's concerning. You know, Joe, Joe Wilkins had one. Avery Davis had one. Janarian Price had one. You know, I mean, going all the way back to Sean Crawford, who was er, early part of the Under Armour deal. So, yeah, that's um, that's a that's a big part of it. It's a big part yeah. of it. Well, I, I care much more about functionality than I do about the style yeah. personally. And I'm Agreed. not a person to ask about style either. So Agree. Agree. Well, we're going to roll through. I'm going to find some of these top questions here, Ryan, and we're going to ro- we'll roll through these because we are getting close to being an hour. And, and we are obviously the uh, the the um, um, Friday rapid fires getting going here, too. So let's let's we're going to pick some some of these here and we'll uh, we'll rock through this. So let's let's start with this one here, Ryan. Florida Irishman says over under for Tobias Merriweather, 60 receptions for 900 yards. I, I'm personally going under on both. Not Slightly. by a ton yards, Slightly. but yeah. I could see, I've, I've, comp- I've said I could see a Miles Boykin type of season this year for him, right? Uh, I do. I could see that. Well, what, what did Miles Boykin do in 2018? 59 catches for 872 yards in 13 games, right? Yeah. It's close. I just think the thing is, Ryan, what's going to be different about this team than, than that team is you had Miles had 59, Claypool had 50, Fink had 39 or 49, Mac had 36. After that, there's only three players with more than 14, right? I mean, right. it was a big drop off. I just feel that the ball is going to be spread around a lot with this group. We're going to see the running backs and tight ends are still going to catch a lot of balls. Tobias, Jaden Thomas, Dion, Chris Tyree, and some cuts are going to go to the freshman too. So I just I don't know that any one guy is going to have that big year. But if it if I was going to bet on a guy, it would be Tobias because of the nature of throwing the ball vertically and Sam Hartman's desire to throw the ball vertically. So basically, sure. Tobias could get to 100 yards and a lot fewer catches than what Jaden Thomas could get to, for example. Yep. And here's the question, Ryan. If he if Tobias was going to get to one of those two numbers, which one would you say he's more likely to get to? The yardage than the receptions. Same here. Yeah. yeah. I think Jaden Thomas can get to the, that, that catch total. Yeah. I do. I I, I, I think Tobias is going to have like 800-something yards and like 45 catches or something like yeah. that. You know, I like average like 18 sure. yards a catch or something like that, 17. Yeah. yeah. I just – do you agree with me, though, that the ball is just going to get spread around a little bit too much? Yes. Unless they're throwing the ball a ton. You know, and and maybe with Logan Diggs leaving, that's will be one of the changes is just they're going to throw the ball a little bit more than they would yeah. have otherwise. And then that could we, result in it, maybe. We saw a lot of pass catchers really step up this spring. And if they continue that momentum, I feel like a lot of guys are going to play personally. Yeah. Just that they're going to play. Agree. And honestly, I'd rather sacrifice 10 catches and 150 yards from Tobias the season in totals and give that to Rico and Braylon early to make sure that when they go play USC and Clemson to get in the playoff, that a sophomore skinny kid like Tobias, who's still developing, is fresh. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's more important to me because now I need you – we're in the postseason now and you're not – you haven't hit your wall, which you always worry about with younger players. So 
that's something for me as a coach, I'd be factoring into this too. And it would impact the numbers. Right. But impact numbers don't always tell the whole story of how impactful a guy can be. And sometimes it's guy has a lot of numbers, but he wasn't super impactful. And sometimes it's the other way around. Hey, his numbers may not have blow you away, but like miles Boykin to me, I felt like in 2018 was more impactful than his numbers might otherwise. I just remember him making a lot of plays and you look at the end of the year and like, okay, 59 catch for 172 yards. That's not like really that, that big of a deal. You know what I mean? But I just remember him being impactful a lot more than that. You know what I mean? And, and so that's kind of where I'm coming from on that. Okay, Ryan, let's get down to a couple more here real quick. All right, here, here's an interesting one that I know a lot of people have asked, a lot of people Col- think about. Colin McCann says, I know it has been discussed some, but any updates from inside the program about the quarterback situation in 2024? Could Notre Dame be a, a could Notre Dame have a great 2023, but have a big drop in production in 2024 if not addressed ASAP? Okay, so here's the thing, and, and and I've been asked this a lot this past week from people off the record. We're going to have no updates or no idea about the quarterback position for 2024 until we get at least middle of the season. That's just the reality of it. Because as of right now, if you're Notre Dame's coaches, you're going to have to bring a Porter guy in. As of right now, that may change by the end of fall camp. It may change by the end of the middle of by the middle of season or by the end of the season. It's too early to really know that. Right now, the focus is on 2023. Will they have a big drop in production in 2024? Maybe. But you could also look at it and say the, the quarterback may be surrounded by a much better and even better supporting cast because all the young guys we think are going to play this year are all going to be seniors and juniors and sophomores instead of freshmen, sophomores, and juniors this year. You know, And so Jadarian Price is going to be two years removed from his Achilles injury in 2024. Jabron Payne's going to be another year removed from his injury history. So there's just a lot of things that factor into it. The defense may be better. Uh it's just it's too early. So I'm I'm answering it Colin because it's a very fair question and I know a lot of people have it. I'm I just wanted to answer it because it's just not something we're really going to know right now. As of today, the answer if you were to talk to someone in the Goog would be publicly, "Hey, look, we love the kids we have. We're looking forward to developing." Behind the scenes is like yeah, we need to know who might be in the portal next year and check all that out. Uh, you know, because right now, of course, you're going to think that because CJ or Kenny Minchie has 15 practices under his belt. You know, let's see how Steve Angeli handles things now that he is the backup. I mean, looks, let's be real. Steve Angeli's mindset going into this offseason is a whole lot different now than it was going into the spring. Going into the spring, he was trying to battle with Kenny Minchie for the number three. He wasn't battling for the starting quarterback job, and he knew that. He wasn't battling for the backup quarterback job. Now that Tyler's gone, now he's in a different kind of battle. How does he respond to that? Positively, negatively, indifferently? I don't know the answer to that. But those things are all going to influence um, where we are in that in that question, Ryan. So yeah. that's just kind of yeah. You also don't you also don't right now know what the production in 2023 is going to be. Right. I mean, it's like it's all hypothetical <laughs> right. at this point. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, here's one, Ryan. I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask this one of you. Uh, he says, this is a question from Michael, my guy, Michael, Brian and Ryan. Could you compare and break down Cam Williams, and Carnell Tate at the same point in each other, each other's careers. I'm very intrigued to hear both of your takes. Thanks guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Carnell, what Carnell always was, in my opinion, was he was an incredibly advanced and nuanced player, even from a younger age. I mean, sophomore, junior year, he was that type of guy. 
I would say that Cam, I think, is a little bit more athletic, a little bit more explosive than Carnell. I think he can consistently win off of traits a little bit more than Carnell, although Carnell is still talented. Like, this isn't a shot against Carnell at all. But Carnell is just, I mean, Carnell's been, I think, one of the more advanced players at wide receiver to come out over the last couple of years, which is why I'm not surprised at all that he made a splash in spring for Ohio State, you know, as far as being able to make some plays. So I, I think nuance goes to Cornell right now. I think Cam, I would say, has a higher upside in my opinion because I think he's just a little bit better of an athlete. But surprisingly, they both have similar body types. They're both about 6'2", 185, 190 pounds, pretty long, have decent reaches. I just think that Cam's a little bit more athletic, but Cornell, I think at a similar age, is just a little bit more of a nuanced player. Agree. I I think you nailed that. And again, I think that Cam is a different type of athlete than Cornell too. I think that's a big thing too. Cam is more of a vertical. Cardinal is not fast, but smooth, very Sneaky. smooth athlete. Yeah. 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 Both outstanding players, but they are different. I love questions like this, Ryan. These are fun. From Double O says 2019 LSU versus 95 Nebraska. Who wins, Brian and Ryan? I can't really answer this one because I didn't really watch yeah. 95 Nebraska. 2019 very much, so. LSU. I mean, part yeah. of it is what rules are we playing by? And that, that's the thing. It is There's different rules back then. I, I think LSU 2019, they could just score so quick. That would have been a great game, though. That's the team that just obliterated Florida in the national championship yeah. game. But I, Nebraska – Nebraska. so part of that game, too, was Florida just stopped. They just would not stop going empty. And Nebraska would just blitz it. They could, they'd come up and press and blitz it, and they'd just get to Danny Warfolk could get the ball off. And they never adjusted. It was one of the weirdest Steve Spurrier coach games I've ever seen. LSU wouldn't have done that. They they would have gone seven-man protection and then attacked Nebraska's corners. And Nebraska had good corners that year, but they weren't as good as, you know, they, they weren't as good as the, the Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and guys like that. That was a great Nebraska team. But I, I just think – I think LSU's 2019 team is one of the best teams I've ever seen. That's and insane. if they needed to win a defensive game, they could have. They had a better defense than their numbers showed that year, in my opinion, Ryan. They just scored so fast, and the defense was on the field so often that they just, you know, and then they're getting up on teams. Some of those stats were padded because teams were putting 14 on the board in the fourth quarter against backups and things like that. That was a much better LSU defense, I think, than maybe. maybe It wasn't great, but it was a much better defense than maybe the stats show. If they needed to get into a defensive struggle, they could do it, in my opinion. But that offense was just too good in my in my view. It was insane, man. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It really was. All right, here's one. I'll go ahead and ask in this one, right? Because I know you're not have a clue what uh, what it is. But uh, Crying Belly says rank these hip hop albums: Illmatic, All Eyes on Me, and AT Aliens. So obviously, Illmatic was a Nas album. All Eyes on Me was Tupac, and AT Aliens was Outcast. I think you have it in the right order. Crying Belly. I, I think that's my. I mean, Nas, I, I've said this before. I think Illmatic is one of the best albums ever written. I think It Was Written was also a tremendous album. Very underappreciated Nas album. All Eyes on Me is a close second. I don't even know if, yeah, that's probably close second. And then AT Aliens. I love Outcast, but Outcast to me is just a different style. It's more of like fun rap music for me. It's got some really good songs on there, um, but I, it's not in the same, quite on the same level as, as those other two albums for me. So. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna go with that. So here's a fun one, right? Here we go. This one, this one you can uh can you'll have it you'll have an opinion on. Joe says, Brian B. Ryan, how are your top three? Who are your top three first off the bus players of the 2023 team? 
Do we agree Joe Walt's numero uno? Yeah. Do we agree that Blake Fisher's probably number two? If he if he gains some weight back, yeah, okay. not three hundred ten pound Blake. Fisher, if he doesn't but... gain weight back, then my number two guy is Jason Onye. Okay. And my number three guy is Riley Mills. Have I, you seen pictures of Riley from the spring? Oh, I have. Yes. Holy have. moly, he got he's huge. Got, he, he almost has a six pack, dude. And he's his arms are pounds. like his biceps are massive now. Yep. Th- th- those three of those four guys for me, Ryan, are my first guys off the bus. Is there I, anybody else to be in the conversation for you? No, I was going to say, I think Joe and somebody else should ask us who are the three not first off the bus guys, like Blake Rupi and yeah. <laughs> some specialists over there. That that would be my that yeah, would be Riley, my list. Riley, of guys. Riley Mills was one that was on my top of my head, though. He's uh, yeah, yeah. Joshua Burnham, maybe just to flash yeah. the edge. Yeah, I could see that one. He's just not quite as defined as like Onye is, like like the chiseledness. Yeah. He yeah. looks good too, and then Riley's just so he's just so much bigger. Here, here we go. Jason says, "Who do you feel will be our Ben Ben Morrison this year?" I feel Great House has that chance. We can see that Hartman really likes him as a target. Well, I think it's a little unfair to assume that he likes him over Great House over the others because we didn't see him on the same team. For all we know, if Rico was on that team, Rico would have got a bunch of those touches. I, I don't know the answer to that. For all we know, if he had Braylon James, he might have hit two bombs to Braylon over the top for you know two forty yard touch. I, I don't know. I think if you're going to say who is this year's Benjamin Morrison, I mean, I think it the he's got the position down right, Ryan. I think the other part of it too with Great Houses is where's he going to play? Because if they're if he's a pure slot, then he's going to have a tougher time getting as many snaps as he as Rico might as the number two. Z to the field, right? You know what I mean. So uh, that's part of it as well. But if if Jaden Greathouse ends up playing all around, you know, some Z, some X, and some slot, then I think that will it, that will be because partly because you're really confident in Jaden and Chris Tyree to man that slot position, and then you'll see Jaden, you'll see Jalen step up. But I, to me, it's Jaden and Rico. It's there's not a wrong answer. It's just sort of personal preference. You know who who do you yeah. think? I think right now I'd go with Rico because of the opportunity to me to be the number two guy is greater for Rico than it is for Jaden. And then Rico just needs one injury to step into the starting lineup. Jaden would probably need two. You know, I mean that that's kind of how I look at that one. But is there any other fr- Jagasaw? Would be one. Jagasaw. Jeremiah Love maybe being the second back by the end yeah. of the season could be a guy. Yeah. Has potential. Yeah. Probably. I might have said Christian Gray if he didn't get hurt and miss a half of the spring. I might have said yeah. him. That's pretty much where my list ends for now. It's it's the receivers of Jagasaw would be my because I try to look at it as guys that might step in to have like really good production and maybe be starters by the end of the year. Yeah. And I think Jeremiah is a good one, but I don't like he could have production, but I it's hard to say it's hard to compare him a guy like him to Benjamin Morrison because you only have one starter at his position. Yeah. So it's it's a little harder for him to be the guy the way that Benjamin was a corner. But production wise, impact wise, Ryan, for that role as the number two running back, if if that opportunity comes, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. The Irish for Life asks, Ryan, do you think the Big Ten would be willing to kick out Nebraska, Rutgers, or someone else to make room or correct mistakes? I think the Big Ten has done, did it before. What are your thoughts on that? I could definitely see Rutgers. 
I was going to say, I mean, it also it depends on who you're trying to bring in, right? I mean, if it's somebody right. that's like a substantially bigger player from a money right. perspective, then yeah, of course. I mean, would they kick out Rutgers for Notre Dame? Yes, I in a heartbeat. They would kick out. Yes, they'd kick out anyone not named Notre Ohio State, Michigan, or, or or Penn State if it meant they could get Notre Dame. Let's be real about that. But like to your point, Ryan, like let's say they wanted to stay at eighteen for some reason, and they had a chance to add Notre Dame and North Carolina but they were already at 18 and they didn't want to go to 20 because they didn't want to split the uh, Rutgers. See ya, Maryland, go back to the ACC. Right. I mean, so, cause the thing about Notre Dame is Notre Dame is going to get you the markets that you think you're getting with Rutgers. Cause New York's a big, I mean, you're going to get a lot of Notre Dame eyes in New York for Notre Dame, no matter. I mean, it's just look at the numbers. And if you got North Carolina, you're going to get a lot of that East coast stuff. You you know, you're going to have a, a big market there too. So, if they felt they needed to, they could. If they could only be at a certain number, and they were at that number and wanted to add Notre Dame and North Carolina, something like that, then yeah, you'd you'd see some teams go. I think. I think to me, the first two that would I would think Ryan would be Maryland and and Rutgers, but I could see Nebraska maybe being a team. I don't know how much value Nebraska brings as a because what's this all about now, Ryan? It's about money. It's about TV markets. Is the Omaha market really? worth it for you would you rather have that one or the dc market would you rather have that one or the new york market i mean i think yeah. Rutgers for sure is gone but then it comes down to maryland or nebraska which i mean you know what i mean like because you're probably going to kick out teams that haven't been in your league forever you're not kicking out iowa you're not kicking out sure. minnesota and wisconsin you're going to kick out some team that's new that's basically who nebraska Rutgers, and maryland yep. am i missing anybody i don't think so that's it right i mean you're not gonna kick out penn state yeah. they're the only other say- new one Right. Yeah, but they've been in there the, the whole I know, time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's um that's an interesting one. But yeah, I could see the Big Ten doing that. Absolutely could see the Big Ten doing that. We had a super chat from Bayside Tiger Six. Thank you so much for the super chat. Brian has talked about Charlie Weiss being all about scheme. Agree. If a Weiss team was on field A and a better coach team was on B, where would an observer notice the difference? Technique, 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 and toughness. I mean, that, that's the thing that hurt Charlie Weiss's teams at the end, Ryan. They didn't know how to line up. They didn't know how to block. They didn't know how to tackle. They just weren't taught the, taught the basic fundamentals of the game, whereas he inherited a team in 05 that had already been taught how to line up, how to how to use their hands, how to block, how to tackle, all that kind of stuff. And so he just put the scheme in. But his teams were so fundamentally unsound. I mean, you never saw things in, in 05 like we saw in 09 where – you know, Jimmy Clausen's throwing a fade route to Michael Floyd, but Michael Floyd's blocking the ball hits off of his back and gets picked off. That be that's just a so clear evidence of a team that just lacks discipline and, and positive coaching. So it's just the little things, the more blown assignments, bad route technique that it becomes more impactful now because they weren't given that foundation like the 0506 guys were. It's stuff like that. Defense is all was always a problem fundamentally, but that's where you'd see the difference on offense is, is that technical stuff. That would be a yeah. that would be the big part. Um, so for me. And then we got we got one more here, Ryan, that I wanted to get to. I thought this was a really interesting question. Mike Reddy says, with the extra scholarship available, do you think CJ Carr should reclassify? I think Hartman would help CJ's development similar to Mac Jones and Bryce Young. Um I mean, yeah, he could. Yeah, there's no doubt he could. I guess the answer, Ryan, you have to ask is this. 
where do you think he's going to develop more? Playing his senior year, like playing the whole year, getting reps, getting snaps, doing all that, or sitting at Notre Dame? I still feel like playing is the best thing for him because you mentioned the Bryce Young, Mac Jones thing. Well, Bryce Young had four years of high school football to play. Sure. You know, and, and CJ is, is you're saying is basically going to lose that. And so I just, I don't know if, if that's necessarily something that I am super fired up about. I, and, and I get, CJ's also an early enrollee. So, right. So he's, yeah. he's, already, yeah, it's, he's going to be there a little bit soon, but I mean, Bryce Young was really good his first three years of high school. He was nuts as a senior. I mean, he got a lot better. You know, yeah. he, he was, like I said, he was still very good. He threw for 3,800 yards and 15 games and, as a junior, had 39 touchdowns and six picks as a junior. That's very good. As a senior in 13 games, Ryan, he threw for over 4,500 yards, completed 71.9% of his passes, had 58 touchdowns and six picks. He got better. Yes. So, you know – I want to. Say, I'd rather a guy be, do benefit that way than just grooming under CJ. I mean, yes, it would be it would impact him. But you know who I care about him grooming under more is the coach, Gino right. Gadulli, Jared Parker. So, um, if I I get where you're coming from, I do. And Mike, it's a very tempting thing. And if CJ wanted to do it, I wouldn't fight him on it. I would let him do it. If his thing was like, look, I'm I'm. I'm ready to do this. I've, I've played a million seven-on-seven games. I've done everything I can on the high school level. I want to enroll early and, and learn and all that. I'd say, okay, let's do it, right? It'd have to be his idea. I'm not pushing it on him. I'm not even bringing it up on him about reclassifying anymore. I never liked it at the time, and even now, it's like I'm not going to punish CJ because our quarterback depth chart's not where it needs to be is the way I kind of look at it, you know, by, by bringing it up to him. I, and here's another thing. I want him focused on recruiting this 2024 class as well. It's just all those factors combined. And and my final piece, Ryan, as a human being, I've said this, you know this. I want these kids to get their last. This is his last chance to be a kid. Yep. This is his last chance to to have that go around with his high school teammates and all those other things. Let's let him, let's let him enjoy that a little bit before we turn him into a professional athlete, which is basically what we're turning college sports into. Well, so, especially because we're dumping him off into the summer workouts. It's not like he's, he's going to be – if he would have had spring ball this year, that maybe would have changed my opinion a little bit. But next year also, if he's he's going to be an early enrollee, you're going to have the opportunity to get more reps as well because Sam Hartman right. won't be there. I, I just think that there's a lot of pluses yeah. that come to just playing your senior year and being an yeah. early enrollee. That's, and you that's know it. what else, Ryan? CJ can will be down here plenty of times. Yes. You know what I mean? He'll 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 be in meetings at, on you know he'll be around the team on Saturdays. I mean, there's be a lot, plenty of things he'll get to do. And and your point is he'll have all of January, February, March, April, May, all that to get ready for that season. And if he's good enough, he'll be ready to play then. Agreed. Because here's the reality: if Mac Jones wasn't at, at Alabama, guess what? And Bryce Young has to start as a true freshman. Bama probably still wins a title that year, Ryan. And oh yeah, they would have been good still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I just let let him let him be a kid. But Mike, trust me, dude, the thought has crossed my mind, right? I mean, you'd be nuts if it hasn't crossed your mind, right? I think, you know what I mean? Well, you know, there is one thing you could do. CJ <laughs> could reclassify and, and get ahead of schedule. It's very tempting. But sure. I just think there's more positives to letting him stay and grow and develop and play, at, go out and play, than there are to him enrolling early. Agreed. But if he said he wanted to do it, I also wouldn't tell him no. 
that's kind of that's where I'm at on it. So, all right, I think that's good. I think that's that's a good place to end it, Ryan. We have a lot more questions that we needed to get to, but you guys had so many great questions. We're four and a half hours in, and we're already thirty minutes into the IB Nation's uh, rapid fire. So, uh, we've yep. already seen a lot of people head over to that already. So let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up here, Ryan. Yep. So if you aren't already, make sure to go to IB Nation Sports Talk right now for the rapid fire. I want to thank you all very much. Again, four and a half hours. Answered a lot of questions, a lot of great questions along the way. Make sure before you leave, if you could just hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast. Five-star reviews on any of your favorite podcast platform would be very much appreciated. We'll be back again very soon to see you all, but you need to hit that notification bell to know when the next show is popping up. Thank you all so much. Also go to boards.irishbreakdown.com. Sign up if you aren't already. Visit irishbreakdown.com for all of our free content. From Brian Driscoll, I am Ryan Roberts. We thank you all again so much for being here for the Friday Free For All on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.